Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh. Yeah. Uh. And what's up? Welcome in GC Live Wednesday episode of the show. Officially moving on to Mizzou Gamecocks. Kind of, it feels like a quick turnaround for some reason, Chris. It's obviously the same, uh, same distance. This is not a Thursday night football game. This is there's nothing completely, there's nothing remotely weird about the timing of this game. It just feels like a quick turnaround because I think that that last game was just so draining for South Carolina fans. There was so much to kind of take in and process. I think, and um, you know, for South Carolina. They're going to have to have, I think, moved on from this past game a lot quicker than everybody else uh, because uh, clearly (laughs) it's going to be tough enough to beat Missouri even if you're not thinking about the last game. And so you you got to recover. You got to move forward. We'll see if South Carolina can do that and play a good ball game in the other Columbia. Before we get into all that, South Carolina's coordinators, all three of them speaking today, so we'll have some takes on all that, and just maybe a few big-picture takes as well from what we saw against Florida that could be maybe noteworthy or newsworthy moving forward. First, we'll tell you about our friend Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. Like we tell you pretty much every single day, if you need more information, go to clinthammond.com. That's what I'm doing right now. It's got all of his information right there. He is located at 3300 Millwood Avenue, Columbia, right across from Dreher High School. NMLS number 71597. Cell phone number 803-422-6797. Clint is dedicated to answering any and all your questions. How much home can you afford? What's the right mortgage for you? What's your payment going to be? Clint will walk you through that process and make it very, very simple. One of our other great sponsors, we have a who is partially responsible for the show, I should say, is Game Time. That's GameTime.co, the Game Time app. And um, here's what I need you to do. If you are going to go to a sporting event, going to go to a concert, going to go to a, a comedy show, and it is sold out, you're looking for tickets, you're looking for great deals on a ticket, get the Game Time app, or you can just go to GameTime.co. You can search for anything. You see South Carolina football right there. Um, wow, South Carolina, Missouri. A tough ticket right now as uh, the Missouri Tigers are rolling, um, having a big year for their standards. You can hit slide to unlock a flash deal like I just did, Chris. You can get 10% off um, right here instantly. And also, limited time only. If you're a new customer, if you've never used the Game Time app before, go to the settings, throw in the code GAMECOCKS, and you will get $20 off your first purchase. There are certainly things that apply to that, but if it's your first time, $20 off. Again, Game Time app, GameTime.co. As the show goes on, we will tell you a little bit more about some of our other great sponsors, but I'm going to try something a little different and just kind of knock out a couple of the sponsors right off the bat so that we can just keep our flow going later on. Chris, like I said, all coordinators speaking today. As always, middle of the week, there's a little bit of look back to Florida, there's a little bit of big picture talk, and there's a little bit of look ahead to Missouri. Let's start offense because we always do. Single biggest take from Dow Loggins, South Carolina's offense coordinator. Well, here's where my mind went, Wes, and it's a little bit more specific. So when it comes to the run game, right, we all saw that Mario Anderson uh, battled through an ankle injury and finished up, what, two yards short of having a 100-yard game, he had a really good game, you know, overall. I think everybody could be pleased with, um, you know, some of the things that you saw in the run game. Even though the protection wasn't perfect, Wes, we certainly saw 
I think, a better protection performance than we have seen in games past. And one of the big reasons for that was some of the tweaks they made on the offensive line. And I thought it was interesting that Dowell Loggins noted that they were able to not only perform better, but make some schematic changes with the run game in part or really tied to wholly uh, the changes that they made up front. And what I mean by that, and, and Shane Beamer pointed this out too, if you go back and look at that game, Wes, they ran more gap scheme plays, meaning instead of you know inside-outside zone, which was still in the playbook, which we still saw, they also ran you know some counter, some power looks. We saw more of those gap, gap scheme style plays. If you're unfamiliar with gap scheme style plays, South Carolina ran a lot of them when Kevin Harris had his big year, right? So I personally love them, Wes. I just like watching it. I think it's neat to watch. I remember some of those some of those days with Kevin Harris. But South Carolina didn't feel early in the year like they were as equipped to run it. So they made a couple tweaks. One was obviously they kicked Vershawn Lee out to right tackle, and that was in part to stabilize another tackle spot. Of course, he went down with an injury. is now questionable for Saturday. But they also inserted Trey Jones into the lineup. And so they felt with their two guards, with Trey Jones, with Trevon Ball, they felt like those were guys that could move, number one, and number two, move people. And so that gave Loggins the confidence to kind of change some things up in the run game, which I, I really do think helped them against Florida, Wes. Um, you know, you score that many points in that football game, not a perfect offensive performance, but a good one overall. So to bring it all back home, here's the question. Do you, do you continue down that path, right? Because now you've got, one of those offensive linemen is questionable in Vershawn Lee. And now you've also got a situation where Mario Anderson is at the bare minimum, you know, banged up going into the Missouri game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to keep trying to do some of those things, man, because defenses and, and you're all you're always walking the line as an offense between doing too much or doing not enough in terms of you want to do enough to keep the defense guessing, but on offense, you want to do little enough that you work on the same things over and over and over enough to where you're executing it at an extremely high level. And so it felt like not just from a, not just for personnel reasons to me. And I, I believe, I want to say Beamer or Loggins even made this comment at some point early in the year. It felt like they really cut down on their number of run plays um, that they were actually running and said, look, we need to execute a couple of these before we can even consider executing five or 10 different types of run plays. And that that's something I think when you're struggling, Chris, you kind of maybe feel like you have to do, but ultimately you got to have a little bit of versatility. You got to be a little bit multiple with what you do. And um, cause these teams, if they know exactly what your two kind of run concepts are, they're eventually going to just kind of sell out and, and stop it. So I think you made the point on one of the shows, like that was something Florida probably didn't have on film a whole lot. Probably wasn't something that they had repped a ton in practice. Uh, you know, and the, you're not reinventing the wheel. I'm sure they easily could go to the sideline and say, Hey, this is like what this team did. You guys know how to, you guys know how to defend this, but still in that moment, you, you bust a long run, Juju McDowell, a touchdown run off a gap scheme. You, um, you bust a tight end screen, um, tight end screen catch and run for touchdown off of a um, a fake counter. I, I think, if I remember correctly, uh, complete with spin move from from Spencer Rattler. So, you know, they they kind of a, attach some of these things and and put in some complementary things to where some of these plays were run um, off of each other, basically, which I, I thought was good. And um, it just gives your line a little bit more of a chance. But certainly, and they talked about this on the broadcast, they liked Trey Jones' ability, you know, it, as sort of that that puller, as that guy who can get out and, and get ahead of steam and, and create some room. And then Trey Ball, I mean, dude, for a freshman, every time I just sort of focus on him, I'm a little bit reminded every time, like, this is a wide-bodied kid. Like, he looks the way you want an SEC guard to look on the offensive line i not to get too far off this exact topic but i'm pretty excited to see what a tro ball and a tree babalade look like 
you know, a year from now with, with all this experience that they're getting. So, um, you know, it was a nice mix, a nice blend of, you know, inserting Trey Jones was kind of one of the catalysts here. But you have some some just veterans in there in Nick G and then Rashawn Lee and then blending them with the, the young guys. The fact that Trey Ball has his best game of the year with Vershawn Lee beside him for half of the game. So I think, unfortunately for South Carolina, Vershawn Lee, is his status is up in the air for this week. It felt to me like they found something, Chris. They did. They found it for about a half, you know, and then unfortunately you're right back to square one where you're down so many offensive linemen. And what was it, Wes, maybe a couple of weeks ago where Shane Beamer pointed out that they were down something like seven offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. And I haven't counted it up lately, but certainly it's still near that number, if not more. And I was actually talking, Wes, with a, a guy in the coaching industry last night. That affects your your practice depth, right? Like people just think about going to the – as long as you have five, go into the games, roll it out, roll the ball out there, you'll be fine. It's It, it makes it more difficult to – field a good scout team to do good on good work you know when you when you are that many guys down and I think I I have to constantly remind myself and that's why I remind all our listeners our watchers too this is a team that now Wes in the iter in the Florida game they had is this and fact check me on on this I mean there, there were zero players that started in the same spot from the North Carolina game to the Florida game. Because even Nick Garjulo and Vershawn Lee switched spots, right? Mm-hmm. So your your entire starting five in terms of your, your personnel and your positions from UNC to Florida were different. You don't see that a lot, right? And despite all the injuries, your two start your your projected starter at left tackle that you didn't even have at the beginning of the year, your right tackle that won the job going into the UNC game and played about four snaps, right? All that all that stuff that happened and all the inconsistencies and problems, and you still feel like in that first half, you probably played your best game on the O-line probably of the entire year, and then you have the Vershawn Lee injury. So it's unfortunately been kind of par for the course where this, this position's just been so hard hit with injuries. Now, if you can get Vershawn Lee back, if you can, at some point in the next few weeks, can you get Case and Henry back to at least have more depth, if not more, right? Um, man, if you could just get healthy at that position. Um, but but the changes that they made, I think credit where credit's due, they they did seem to work for the purposes of this game or, or half of the game, Wes. Yeah, and, you know, this – I don't think this was a dominant Florida defense coming in, man, but this was not a – like, would you have been surprised going into the game based on what we've seen, South Carolina's, some of their struggles up front, if I just blindly said, hey, South Carolina um, had a few big plays on offense, but they just couldn't consistently get anything going because Florida just beat them up up front, couldn't get the running game going. Mario had a couple of long runs. Spencer hit a couple of balls down the field, but the offense scored um, – you know, 24 points, and uh, that that was just kind of that. If you'd have told me that going in based on the matchup, I would have said that's that's realistic, you know. I mean, this is a Florida defense that has talent, and I, I thought this is this is probably one of the best offensive showings of the year uh, when you consider the opponent and consider the talent you were going up against. And, man, I, I think worth noting again, and again, we're not trying to relive the Florida game, we're more trying to bring this forward. What did we learn that could have implications moving forward? And Mario Anderson, to me, I, I don't know if I had this take live, but re-watching the game, I I I think this was his best game as a Gamecock. Like, yeah, I feel like I, I watched the Mississippi State game. And then I rewatched the Mississippi State game, and I said, he gives them a chance, but frankly, he left a lot of yards on the field in that game, what was my initial thought. And I thought we all 
you know, I thought the fan base was getting a little bit too caught up in, hey, there's finally a running game. Like, where's this guy been? But, you know, and I was like, we're getting a little ahead of this kind of crowning him, honestly. I was like, I want to see a little bit more. And then Tennessee game, you had the long run, but uh, only, what, 10 carries, not a whole lot of room. You're down two scores, hard to get a read. I thought as far as hitting the whole – you know, just making those little nuanced cuts where you kind of avoid a tackler and, and keep getting forward. Obviously, the hurdle into the end zone was fantastic. But just overall, I think we are seeing Mario Anderson grow before our very eyes. And to me, I'm going, all right, like this this guy looks like a lead SEC back. Like he looks like a guy you can build your running game around. And I think you can feel the confidence growing. Um, he did finish the game despite the injury. Beamer said he's fine. So if you're South Carolina, you you've gone from kind of what's happening at running back to we need Mario Anderson to be healthy or <laughs> close to 100 percent this week if we're going to have a chance. He has become very important to what this offense does. Yeah, it's been very interesting and and fun to watch. Frankly, I, you know, Weston, we knew going into this season. We, we kind of knew the picture going in, right? And we knew that it wasn't an ideal picture. I kind of based on the fact that he had a lot of experience and, I, you know, yes, it was Newberry, it was D2, but I did like the skill set in the tape. And I kind of have a, had a feeling that at some point Mario Anderson was probably going to have a say in this running back race. Now, remember the preseason, all the talk behind the scenes was about the carry on joiner. And you may say, I was just practice, right? Sometimes things you hear in practice end up translating, right? Like remember everything that we heard about Spencer Rattler in the off season, how strong that was that, that has come to fruition. We have seen a definite absolute jump from Spencer Rattler from year one to year two at South Carolina. Now what has happened at the running back position? And I think there's a, there's a lot of different reasons for it. It's a complex thing, but DeCarion Joyner has not had the year that I think anybody envisioned. Him, the coaching staff, us. Mario Anderson has come along. He's gotten some opportunities. He's taken them. He's run with them. And the skill set that he has has translated. And you're right. He looks like he belongs. He doesn't look like a a nice story or a fad or a guy that just made a few runs here and there. Like we've seen some different types of runs from him. We've seen him lower his shoulder. We've seen him take off for 75 yards against an SEC defense. We've seen him hurdle a guy in an SEC defense. And he just seems to be getting uh, more and more comfortable. And I think he's kind of what the doctor ordered for this offense. And maybe these some of these schematic changes are too, Wes. So I think here, here's one key if we're bringing it forward to Missouri. You know, this is bigger picture. But can you go against a team that's playing really well in Missouri and on the road with a, an offensive line that continues to be banged up, even more banged up than it has been, with a, with a running back in Mario Anderson that got banged up last game? And can you go run the football a little bit? Can you score some points? Because, again, this has been a team that has been a lot different at home than it has been on the road. And so here, here's your challenge. Yeah, and uh, also credit where it's due, man. He has highly credited. He did the same earlier this week. He did the same on our uh, Garnet Trust interview. He's given a lot of credit to Monterio Hardesty for bringing him along. He, The way he phrased it is he, he kind of um, broke me down and built me back up. And so, um, you know, I, I think credit where it's due there. I also thought that, um, again, big picture thought, but related to Florida, when I rewatched the game, this is the best job I've seen a staff do in a while at finding a role for Juju McDowell and um, and putting him in space and putting him in a situation to go have success. Um, you know, it, it was a gap scheme run that, that like I said earlier, he scored his first touchdown on. They um, had that little play. I, was, I told you earlier, I was trying to figure out the actual uh, football verbiage word for it where um, they, they run that play action down at the goal line. Um, and then flip it out to the running back. So it's not really play action because the running back has already vacated that spot, but the quarterback still does the uh, footwork as if it's going to be a play action. So they got him out in space there. 
There was another play, Chris, that didn't really hit the way it was supposed to, but they had a bunch formation, and then they had Juju starting out spread all the way wide, and then they motioned him to being like behind the bunch and then threw a quick, uh, just like kind of a screen out to him with the hopes that the the bunch formation was kind of going to operate as a, uh, a convoy from for him basically so I, I thought that you know Juju's kind of struggled to find room this year struggled to get going whether that's his fault or the line or whatever to this point he's hung in there Dow Loggins gave him a ton of credit for continuing to bring the energy continuing to bring up you know a positive mindset to practice and we saw that pay off with him having a couple of big plays in this game and I I thought that was a key to this offense um continuing to to find ways to move the ball against Florida this past week. Yeah, I mean, we we saw guys getting involved and making plays, and, and Juju is a guy that you need to get involved in making plays. You know, I think Marion Brown's another one, you know, and he's been injured too much this season or limited too much this season for us, you know, to have a firm grasp on that. But I thought the usage for Juju McDowell was the best this season. And I think that was going to be a key, right? Not not obviously running Juju McDowell 10 times up the middle, which they haven't done, right? But that's not how you use him. So how can you use him? And I thought it made a lot of sense. We saw Wes Trey Knox being involved. We saw Josh Simon, a very impressive, you know, touchdown catch and run for him. Um, we saw a lot of good, you know, coming off of the bye week. And uh, we saw a Gamecock football team that was – I think we said this earlier on Monday, Wes. Their touchdown drives were long, sustained drives. I mean, they were going 75 yards for almost all of them, right? Almost all their scoring drives, I think, were 60-something and 75 yarders. Would you like to see a little more consistency? Sure. But I think all things considered, you know, Dowell Loggins, I think, Wes – uh, there's more games to go, but I think he's done a good job with this offense. And it starts with Spencer Rattler, right? Spencer Rattler speaks very high, highly of Loggins. Rattler's obviously got a lot of talent, but there's a difference between last season and this season. And you look at all the obstacles that this offense has faced to not have, to kind of just be finding your footing with the lead back, to have all the injuries at receivers and not, frankly, a lot of uh, – backup receivers, rotational receivers that have been contributing in big ways to have the offensive line issues and injuries and still be able to put together some quality offensive performances, I think has been good. So uh, the next step, again, like I said earlier, can you go turn in a better performance on the road and kind of overcome some of those things? Yeah, can you do it on the road is definitely the the big question. The next step for this offense also rewatching the game, man, I just found myself saying South Carolina fans appreciate Spencer Rattler while he's here because he made some plays in this game that I knew were impressive originally, but you're just you never cease to be wowed by some of the things he can do, uh, whether it's just the velocity in which he can throw the football, whether it's extending plays making those decisions on when to extend, when to extend and run, when to extend and throw. Shoot, when to give up and throw the ball away. There were a couple of those as well that were uh, the correct decisions. So, you know, he, he's he been so good, man. He gives them a chance every single time as long as they can give him some room to operate. But, Chris, uh, before we move on from Dow Loggins, he did answer a question about the play calling at the end of the game. Uh, mainly the the deep shot, the deep throw that um, actually could have been picked off. And uh, so this was not the final drive, obviously. This is the drive before that when South Carolina has a three-point lead. They're holding on. They need basically two first downs uh, to potentially be in a chance to really go win the game or need to just go score and make it a two-score game. And – Loggins, which I, I thought the thought process here was probably right. You just hope you you can execute better. He said, yeah, we were being a little aggressive there because you you know this was an offensive game. You know Florida. And he I thought even to the detail, Chris, that he answered it by 
without saying we knew our defense was struggling, which would have been accurate. one way to say it. It would have been accurate. <laughs> Maybe that's even what you're thinking. But he said, look, we got a tier one quarterback on the other side, which I'll admit Graham Mertz far better than I gave him credit for being coming in. Yep. We saw why he was a um, he was an Army All American in, in high school. We we yep. saw why. Um, and if I'm Florida, I'm crediting like I'm using that in recruiting. Hey, this guy did this at Wisconsin. He came in here and and did this with us. But that's here nor there. The way he framed it, Chris was look, man. They're they're having success on offense. They've got a quarterback who's throwing the ball around. We didn't look at it as run three plays and punt and try to make them use their timeouts or run off clock. We looked at it as go score, go get some first downs. It just did not happen that way. So that's why you see, you know, a, a kind of aggressive throw down the field there. Um, you know, I'm sure Spencer probably wants that one back. But if, if he hits a ball down the field, then you're saying uh, that was a great great call you know great call to be so aggressive yeah because i think you said this after the game i mean you're at that point in the game where you know the other team knows they they've got three downs they need to stop to get the ball back right and if you go out there and kind of just run three running plays you know maybe you gain a couple yards, maybe you lose a couple yards, and then you're punting, right? You're just kind of wasting some time, running time off the clock. And from a strategic standpoint of trying to run plays that were more aggressive, that you felt like might give you a better chance to move the sticks, I think that made sense, especially knowing in hindsight, Wes, what ended up happening. Florida got the ball back a couple times, as improbable as it was, as crazy as it was, with converting, you know, a few fourth down opportunities on those two drives, two big ones, fourth and 10, fourth and 11, still, um, you know, it, it made sense. Now, was the execution there? Um, could you have called, you know, some different concepts? Sure, maybe, right? We're, we're in the, the hindsight, like nitpicking stage, but I certainly don't think you could disagree with the logic of it. Right. Like, or you could maybe you do disagree with the, the decision, but the logic of it makes a lot of sense from the standpoint of, hey, we want to be a little bit more aggressive because we want to try to go score number one because we might need another score. Um, or we just want to move the chains and we don't feel like kind of giving ourselves up and say, hey, here's our three running plays. Um, mm -hmm. We're just basically, you know, playing for a pint. Uh, so I think it makes sense. Yeah, if, if anything, looking at how it turned out with hindsight, you maybe are saying, I wish I was more aggressive. Um, you know, they, they were very successful, especially in the first half. This is the other thing that caught my attention, going play action on first down and just letting Spencer distribute the ball, whether that was downfield, whether that was uh, intermediate, or whether that was underneath, uh, just letting him go make plays. And, and Loggins made that point as well. Look, seven is our best player. And um, that's the guy that got you there. You want to put it on his shoulders when you have a chance. And, you know, when, when he was talking about that, Chris, it, it kind of, as we kind of transitioned to, to defense and then some special teams, it, it kind of just reiterated a thought that I've had recently about, hey, what, what's wrong with this defense? What's going on with this defense? If, if you say, who's the best player on South Carolina's offense? Your your answer is either Spencer Rattler or Xavier Leggett. But I don't really have to hesitate or process to answer that question. Like That's right. hey, who who are the best players on offense? Rattler and Leggett. Like it's it is it's pretty obvious to anybody that that watches. And now offense and defense, I know it's not apples to apples. Like defense is just played differently. It is consumed differently by the fan. You watch it differently. Maybe your best player is a defensive tackle, and people just don't notice, you know? But if I say, who are the best players on defense? Who are the elite players on South Carolina's defense? Or let me take it a step further. Who in the six games we've seen has played like an elite player on South Carolina's defense? 
I don't know if there's a guy that I just say that's that's him, that's the guy. And um, I think in this league, you you have to have some studs. You have to have some dudes. You have to have the guys. These these game deciding plays that we're waiting on South Carolina to make. You just haven't had guys like that. Travis says is your best player on defense, TJ Sanders. So far, your best player on defense is either Jalen Kilgore or TJ Sanders. That's right. I agree totally. Um, but you do have to think about it a little bit more. Yep. And and I still would say, you know, I mean, for a freshman, Jalen Kilgore has been, you can't ask for anything more than him, you know, than what he's given you. Um, and, and TJ too, man, sort of stepping into a bigger role this year. Hard to ask for much more from him either. And I, I think best position group actually has been that interior of the defensive line, Boogie, TJ, and, and Taka. But um, I just wonder if South Carolina has a lot of good players on defense, but kind of lacks those few great difference makers that you need to be a good defense in this league. It all comes down to players, you know, and I think, like, look look back at the offense even, Wes, at times this year. Like, there have been a lot of games where people are analyzing how many, you know, dig routes Dow Loggins is calling, right? And, I mean, it matters, right? The coaching and development piece, it 100% ma- matters. Maximizing the roster that you have definitely matters. And I actually think they've done a pretty good job offensively of that, by the way, as I said earlier. But at some point, it's players, right? I, I saw a quote from Kirby Smart, who right now has the best college football team in the country. Just won two straight national titles. And he was talking about um, gurus, right? Like these coaching gurus, self-proclaimed. Everybody wants to be an RPO guru. He said it's about having, at the end of the day, really good players. And certainly at Georgia, they have very good coaching. They have very good development, evaluations, all that. They're machine. But they also have the best players, generally. And so a broad point and a smaller point. So let's start with the smaller point. This pertains to the nickel conversation, I think, Wes. You know, last year, Nicky Minori was just a safety. This year, he's played some nickel. Past two games, he started at nickel. Last year, South Carolina had Darius Rush and Cam Smith, who are now in the NFL. When you lose those guys, the coaches are the same. The scheme's the same, right? Now, we could say the coaches aren't doing as good of a job they could, or they're not maximizing, or they could change things. But what primarily is different? Well, there it's personnel. You don't have a Cam Smith that you can slot in and say, hey, go cover the slot in the last two games. Um, small. That's the smaller point. The bigger point is the best college football teams, yeah, they may have great coaches in development, but they also have the most talent. And so the teams, you know, I've had a lot of people say, well, well Duke and Washington State are winning, right? You don't, you don't have, you don't have to have, a bunch of four- and five-star players look at Duke and Washington State. They're having really good years. I give them all the credit in the world. I'll come back on here and eat a huge plate of crow if in four or five years Duke and Washington State are in the college football playoff on a consistent basis, right? Ultimately, isn't that what fans want? If you play power five football, you want to compete for your conference, you you ultimately want to get in the playoff, especially after it expands. And West to do that, Man, you have got to have a load of talent. Think about to the best South Carolina football teams that you remember. Think about the defense. Think about how many NFL guys are on it. And even on a team that had Jadavion Clowney on it, we'd have to go, was he best player on the defense? Because you could pick out a few and make an argument for it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I think – and Travis – Travis said this isn't just an us problem. I don't know any defensive player in, in the country that's been dominant. Um, like, I think we're talking uh, we're talking verbiage right now. Like, I, I I'm not saying dominant nationally. Like that they are in the Heisman conversation. 
I'm talking who on South Carolina's team, who on South Carolina's defense has been what James Pierce is for Tennessee right now. Um, you know, who like they're dominant to me is like you you're you're the best player on that defense, or you're one of the best two or three players on that defense, and the other team circles you on the board when they get when they start on your game and they say we got to know where that guy is um hey we're we're going to be iffy about testing this cornerback um you know everything is on a scale compared to the rest of the SEC um so i i think for south carolina like you were you were hoping some of these guys were going to be that right and um and some of them still could be Xavier Leggett 2023 is not Xavier Leggett 2022. Players 18 catches last year. Yeah, they get they get better, they develop, they become better. So this is not dogging anyone. But I, I just think overall, um, you know, you miss Cam Smith. Like I Cam Smith, and I don't even know if you call Cam an elite career at South Carolina, but Cam could lock some guys down from time to time. Cam was probably better in coverage than maybe he was given credit for at times. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I don't follow the other teams quite well enough from a personnel standpoint to just give you examples. But I just – I feel like there's a lot of players on defenses that are on these elite teams – or up, let's even say upper half of the SEC teams that are difference makers defensively. And uh, I, I just don't know if we've seen that from South Carolina at, at this point. And I know we haven't seen the depth that some of these other teams have where you're bringing that next guy in and there's just not quite as much of a drop-off from, from one player to the next. Yeah, I, I talked to somebody, Wes, again, after the Florida game, who kind of pointed that out of, hey, South Carolina does have some good players, and this was talking mainly about the defense. Hey, they've got good players. Like T.J. Sanders, Wes, some coaches in the SEC, feel like he's one of the better guys in the conference as an, as an individual talent. Jalen Kilgore is going to be a – he already is and is going to be a really good player. But the problem because becomes your depth. And again, you're playing so many snaps. And Boogie Huntley's playing 56 snaps. Tonka's playing 54 snaps. TJ Sanders, kind of a third starter, could come in and play 46, which is a luxury, right? But it's not like you have six deep at tackle, you know, in terms of there not being much drop off. You don't even feel great about the edge position. You don't feel great about the linebacker position, you know, in the secondary, obviously they're using mostly the same guys there and they've shifted those around a little bit. So to your point, the, the depth in terms of the competitive depth that you need just isn't there at this point. And so again, to bring it back, this goes back to recruiting. I mean, you, you're going to have to recruit your way out of some of these things that, there's not a coach that's going to come in and magically snap a hand and now you have depth. Yeah. You are going to have to recruit it and build it. And then, sure, yes, you have to develop it, put it in the right positions. Yeah. Kendall says player development is the number one issue. Coach the guys up and get them ready. I mean, that that's not – but you can't snap a finger. Everybody else is developing their players as well. So, you know, I, I think some of this is just you're – I mean, you're playing in a league that – if you are not really, really good at multiple areas, you are going to be exposed. I'll ask it one more way before we kind of move on. Um, how many guys, based on what we've seen through six games, if you did an all-SEC list, how many guys on South Carolina's defense are, are in the conversation, you know, for, for all-SEC? I mean, and, and I'm not talking about just first team. I'm talking about, would be in the conversation to be on the list. Uh, it, it's not a ton. Um, again, right off the bat, 
Offense, Rattler is in the conversation. Easy. Xavier Leggett, in the conversation. Easy. Um, I would actually, I would say Gargiulo and Vershawn Lee, just watching them as much as we do, maybe are in the conversation. They're probably not going to maybe get on there. Um, Trey Knox, the way he's played the last couple of weeks, maybe starts to get himself back into that conversation after a slow start. But but point being, if you kind of draw that line wherever you want, are we talking all SEC? Are we talking first team? Are we talking solid starter? Carolina just doesn't have as many difference makers, I, I think, at this point on, on defense. And that that's become more and more apparent to me as, as we've gone on. Um, all right, Chris, you want to tell everybody about our friend Trey Harrell? Yeah, let's tell everybody about Trey and he is your number one option or should be your number one option for an auto accident attorney right here in South Carolina. Now, I hope that you were never injured in an auto accident in the Palmetto State. Hope none of your friends are, none of your family are. But if you are, it's a bad place to be and you need someone on your side. Don't go at it alone. Find an attorney who's going to fight for you. Find an attorney who's going to fight to get what you deserve. Find an attorney who helps. And remember that our friend Trey Harrell helps. You can follow him on social media, at Trey Helps. Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. He does a really good job of sharing some of his insights and even entertaining you from time to time on social media. Again, that's Trey Helps, at Trey Helps. Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Trey Harrell helps folks that are injured in auto accidents all over Gamecock country and all over the state of South Carolina and West. He was actually voted by the readers of the Post and Courier best personal injury attorney. That's at Trey Helps. On Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok, or check out his website, attorneyharrell.com. Thanks to Trey Harrell for helping us bring you GC Live a couple times a week. No doubt, man. Um, get our Clinton graphic back up here. Um, how, did, how did we just switch locations, by the way? I don't know. I thought I thought my brain had cut off or something. This is I, not. Yeah, I, I don't like on, it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Aha. So much better. Um all right. Here we go. We're good. So Travis said Kilgore, Sanders, Boogie. I mean, Kilgore should be freshman. Kilgore should be a freshman all American, honestly. But um Kilgore Sanders Boogie with an outside shot. But again, that if you're saying with an outside shot, that's kind of proving the point I'm trying to make. Um Dial hasn't been bad prior to the missed tackle. And I, I do uh, let me say this. Let let's let's have a nuanced conversation. I've seen Marcellus Dial take quite a bit of, in my opinion, unwarranted heat for his play this year. Um, you know, again, I stand by my take that there's not been an elite player on this defense through six games, but Dial has not played bad. In fact, uh, the numbers say he's been he's having his best year. And so I, I think it's man, it's easy with defensive backs to just remember when they got beat, um, or just remember when they got um, a penalty called on them. Well, guess what? If you're a DB, if you're in man coverage, if you're going to pressure up front and leave guys on an island. They're going to get beat from time to time. Those are good receivers as well. And, uh, I mean, Ricky Pearsall, in, in his case, that guy, in my opinion, is a stud. So <laughs> he's going to win some of those battles on you. So I, I do think we got to kind of – do they need to be better? Do they need to finish plays as a whole in the defensive backfield? Of course. Nobody – again, we're trying to have a nuanced conversation. But I don't think – I see people – Say yeah, like this take. Dial starts nowhere else other than Vandy. That no, that is not true. That is yeah, absolutely false. Um, Marcellus Dial has actually been one of their better players on defense this year. So cornerback, to Travis's point, you only look at the cornerback when they're throwing the ball at him. You're not watching unless you're pulling up the all twenty-two and you're watching every single other play where he is covering someone, then I think it's hard. Like, 
I see people saying Dow shouldn't even be playing right now, which I Yikes. don't I don't agree with that whatsoever. I would I wouldn't re- I would not recommend uh trying that strategy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean Wes, he you know, in, in talking pure coverage, I mean, I think you gave these numbers the other day. I mean, PFF has him and actually Florida stayed away from dial with Ricky Pearsall, if that means anything. He was about the only guy on the roster who did not give up a catch to Ricky Pearsall the other day. He's given up 18 catches this season on 29 targets and two touchdowns. Those are not horrible numbers. Um, Wes, I, I almost included this in a piece I did on the Nichols the other day. So you remember how we always tout Cam Smith and and him moving to play the slot corner position against Tennessee and how that worked, Tennessee and Clemson. Against Tennessee, he gave up seven catches and a touchdown. Mm. He was still good. They did a great job, all things considered, against Tennessee, and that move was a big part of it. But he gave up seven catches in the game. They limited things. He gave up a touchdown, shorter touchdown, man-to-man, in, in position. Just got beat. Cedric Tillman called a ball over his head. So, I don't know. And Marcellus Dial played more snaps last season than Cam Smith or Darius Rush. So, now has he been? Forget that. Has has he been? Has he been an all a first team All American? No, nobody's saying that. But sometimes the, like you said, I mean, I remember when people booed Stephon Gilmore in the stadium for getting beat. He might be in the NFL Hall of Fame. He's a pretty good player. So, little perspective, probably probably needed. Yeah, I think I think, and there's a huge difference between, hey, I don't know if a guy is elite right now, and saying, oh, he'd start for Vanderbilt and nobody else. <laughs> like, um, that's Aaron. Has he been fourth team All SEC? What what is that in reference to? I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's talk. I mean, honestly, I don't think we learned a whole lot new from what we heard from Clayton White today. And um, I do think we we got a little bit of meat on the bone from Pete Limbo, as we always do. And what what do you think about the thought, Chris, that um, – What do you think about the thought that other teams seeing what South Carolina was able to do have uh, started to copy them on special teams a little bit? Limbo basically said, he didn't say, hey, they're doing what what we used to do or what we've always done. But he said, Missouri is getting bolder on special teams. He said, Missouri has introduced the muddle huddle on special teams, which South Carolina had like half of the muddle huddles that were run in the entire country last year. Um, Said they're getting bold and calling fakes. He even said they ran our fake from, um, I don't remember which game he was referring to. Tennessee, right? I I think that is what he said. Yeah. I think Beamer said that too. I mean... Or Tennessee two years ago, probably. Two, that's what I meant. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Two yeah, years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. I forgot they did one. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, yeah, apparently you better be prepared for Missouri to pull the old fake on you, too. But I wonder if some of these SEC teams are saying, hey, man, they're still in possessions over there. What? Yeah. Let, let's get bold and, and copy it. I mean, that's, that's the way football works. When somebody has success with something, teams do try to copy you. Yeah, make it make it more important. Uh, it certainly has been an impact. Well, I I think just a general point about the game. You know, last year, Wes, we talked about going in. Okay, obviously, South Carolina's special teams at that point, you know, they've been pretty dynamic, right? More dynamic than what we've seen this year. Overall, more solid than what we've seen this year even. And going into that game, Missouri's goal was just kind of play South Carolina even on special teams. Don't don't give up any big plays. 
you know, don't give up big returns. You know, hey, for Missouri, we may not have any big returns of our own. We we may not really make any plays, but just play South Carolina even. And they did. They did. And in a game where Missouri controlled the tempo offensively, had a great game plan, and then defensively just shut Carolina down, that made a difference because South Carolina did not then have that differentiator of stealing a possession, right? Or going from fourth down and you're about to punt to now you got a first down, you got an opportunity to go make something happen or even get a score off of a fake. Missouri played them even. So fast forward now to this year, they seem to be getting more bold, more aggressive, as Limbo said. So I'll be keeping Wes a close eye on it, you know, in this game. Not even just, hey, will one side try to make us a big play on special teams, but can South Carolina return to making this more of an advantage, whether it's just hidden yards, right? Kai Kroger against uh, against the Gators, he bombed an early punt, but there were a couple that he certainly would want back, and Limbo referenced that and just how they're, how they're working on some things uh, in practice as well to try to improve that. You Once again, as you kind of always do, got some – I thought pretty intricate de- details from Pete Limbo, Chris, and he was asked about what what is going on with Kai Kroger. And he gave some some details on the actual technique and specifically what is going on with him. And I, I thought it was very interesting. He said that basically his drop is uh, has been a little bit off. And, you know, I, I imagine it's kind of one of those things. It's like playing golf. Um, it's like hitting in baseball or softball, one little thing that maybe you haven't even ever thought about because you just naturally did it correctly before, one little sort of tweak can be off and it can mess you up. So, um, I mean, I've never even thought twice about mechanics for punters, but it makes sense if you're dropping the ball and your drop is a little bit off, but the rest of your mechanics are the same, you're going to miss hit it from from time to time. So it, it's been it's been weird to see the little bit of the inconsistencies from Kai just because we've seen him so early in his career be so so consistent and you almost just did Kai dude I feel like Kai almost reached one of those points where you kind of forgot he was a human like Humans are going to make mistakes. Like you kind of just, oh, he's going to execute. He always does. And so it has been a year, I feel like, of a little bit of kind of having to deal with some adversity for Kai. But, you know, I I think Limbo did the right thing too in pointing out, hey, this is my guy. He's a dude. He's an athlete. He's going to work hard to fix it. He'll get it turned around. But, yeah, I mean, frankly, it hasn't been as consistent as we are used to seeing from Kai. No, it hasn't. And that was actually, Wes, um, kind of a goal, right? As good of a year as he had last season, you can look at the Clemson game, right? Like, that's not every game for Kai Kroger. That's not every game for any punter. That that was an absolutely amazing performance. And that can't be the standard that's set. But unfortunately, when that happens, that kind of becomes stamped. Like, that. that's it. This is every game. This is what it should be like. And so, actually, instead of being a little bit more consistent, it's actually gone in the other direction, Wes, and been more inconsistent. So, um, in some ways, you know, it's the victim of your own success thing. Like, people set the super high standard for you. I know Pete Limbo has high standards. Kai Kroger has high standards for himself. I think he'll be fine. Um, They've clearly identified some things that they need to work on. So, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, you know, the back half of the season. What does it look like? If I had to bet, Wes, I'm certainly betting on Kai Kroger, you know, returning to form. Not now, not again, not the Clemson game every game. We're not going to see that every single game, but returning to form and just finding some more consistency. For sure, man. That that can be a weapon. I think if you're South Carolina, still Chris's phrase here, uh, when when you have these low margins, then um you know, your margin for error is so small, you want to find that advantage anywhere you can get it. And, you know, I think some of this, talk about special teams not necessarily being quite as much of a weapon so far for them. 
Some of this is we knew there was going to be a lot of turnover among the guys who were playing for South Carolina on special teams. The other part of it, could it be that teams are so hyper aware of you on special teams that it's a little bit more difficult to, to pull these fakes or kind of catch them off guard? We've seen them still hit a few of those, but for the most part, teams are incredibly aware of what Limbo and Boomer and, and all these guys have have been able to do as far as that part of the game. So I think that's a big piece of the puzzle to keep an eye on as well. Um, thought it was interesting. He talked about uh, Luther Burden and just how aggressive he is, Chris, as a punt returner. Yeah, Luther Burden is a problem, man. And, you know, this is funny. Eli Drinkwitz actually fielded a, a, a question at his press conference saying that against Kentucky – Luther didn't have his best game and Eli Drinkwitz was annoyed because he said, what? Cause he didn't have a hundred yards. You know, I mean, this, this is a guy that earlier this season, Wes, you compared what Luther Burden had done versus Devonte Smith's big season at Alabama. And it was like on par, you know, just had a great year. So th- this happens everywhere. Uh, but he, he's super dangerous with the ball in his hands. He can beat you downfield. He can beat you in the open field. And of course he can beat you on special teams, he's going to be extremely aggressive. You can't assume that he's going to just let a ball bounce, right? I mean, you've really got to be on it. Um, and you, you can't miss a tackle on him, right? If you get a shot, you better corral him. You better get him down. You better slow him up until help arrives. Good grief, man. 56 catches already for 808 yards. For Luther Burden. Then you add in Theo Weiss, who, as Shane Beamer mentioned, former Oklahoma guy, he's got 34 catches for 400 yards. And even Brady Cook, man, I, I mean, we, we want to talk about the year, rightfully so, that Spencer Rattler has had. Brady Cook having a huge year for these guys as well. Over 2,000 yards passing, 14 touchdowns, just three interceptions. He, uh, he's been fantastic, this offense for them. Cody Schrader doing his part at running back as well, 648 yards on the ground. So we'll, we'll dive into to what all that may mean if there's a path to a win for South Carolina on Friday. But certainly early indications are that this is a tough, tough matchup for South Carolina. I want to talk recruiting real, real, real quick. But first, I'm going to tell you about our friends at Liberty Tax. Give them a call today. Um, the tax team at Liberty Tax is there for you if you have back tax returns you haven't filed, if you have debt to the IRS. If you played IRS roulette and lost, uh, there's no blame, there's no shame. Go to nice folks here locally, and they'll help you get things straightened out. Convenient locations, friendly staff. The tax team at Liberty Tax is located in Irmo, Columbia, and Lexington. You can give them a call at 803-462-5576, and uh, they're going to take care of you just like they did Chris, um, Liberty Tax Team right here in the Columbia area. Three convenient locations. So South Carolina, it seems, likes to mine the junior colleges for defensive linemen, Chris, who are originally from the Palmetto State. And this is somebody that you had mentioned before, I believe, for fans to keep an eye on. The offer officially goes through um, Jerome Simmons from uh, Highland Community College in Kansas currently, but originally from Bamberg, Earhart, an area that is very familiar to South Carolina fans. They've had some dudes out of that place, um, some greats to, to line up in the Garnet and Black. But what can you tell everyone about Jerome Simmons? Yeah, we knew that Juco, uh, Juco DT, D tackle would be a possibility this year, Wes. A smaller number overall. You don't want to reach at the high school level in this class and get yourself in a bad position. So portal or junior college or a combo of both, you know, seems to be more likely. Question just becomes who. So the portal, we don't know. Jerome Simmons is a guy from Bamberg Earhart, which has produced, of course, AJ Can, Casey Crosby, 6'4, 300 pounder. He's having a nice year for Highland Community College, four and a half sacks this season so far through several games. And a big kid. Travian Robertson called him up, offered him. Georgia's offered as well. He'll probably visit there in December. Really seems to like the idea of playing at home. Grew up going to South Carolina games. Seems like he rooted for the Gamecocks growing up, Wes. So we'll see where this one goes. 
but this is definitely a name now to monitor who's a Palmetto State guy with an offer who may be interested in playing at home and uh, is a guy that kind of fits the mold of what South Carolina is looking for. No doubt. Good stuff, man. All right, we're at an hour right now, so we're going to hop on off here. As always, tomorrow will be the afternoon drive with Mike Yuva, and then on Friday we'll have we'll close it out with our final thoughts on South Carolina versus Missouri. Uh, you got any more thoughts, Chris, or are you good? I said it for me, man. All right, he's Chris. I'm Wes. Appreciate y'all joining in. Appreciate all the comments. Uh, stay with us here. Hit the subscribe button on any and all your podcast platforms because we're on all of them. Subscribe on YouTube and come check us out on GamecockCentral.com. Also, download the app if you want to get notifications on South Carolina news. You can download the On3 app and then select South Carolina as your team. The app is free, and you can also choose whether you want all news alerts or whether you want just breaking news alerts. So check that out today. Um, pretty cool technology. For Chris, I'm Wes. See you all soon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.